Hello and welcome to another episode of the Book Baby Spotlight Podcast, your home for interviews with authors, illustrators, editors, and other industry insiders from the world of self-publishing. I'm your host, Sam Saddam, and today we will have our first in-person guest, uh, Book Baby designer Gina Stewart. But first, here at Book Baby, we obviously talk quite a bit to authors and readers with an interest in independently published books, but a lot of them don't know how best to act upon that as a consumer. Many people shop on Amazon or Barnes & Noble simply because they're not sure of how best to order books otherwise. Hell, I'm guilty of it myself. Uh, but I saw an interesting thread on Twitter uh, which laid out the reasons why and instructions for how one can best support indie bookstores and indie authors. Uh, so this is coming from Andrea Bartz, at Andy Bartz on Twitter. Uh, she talks about a few topics that tie together, the first being that the New York Times bestseller list, they are notoriously cagey about releasing information on how they gather the data for their lists, uh, but we do know that they sample heavily from independent booksellers. So ordering there can help placement on a bestseller list. Uh, more so than from the city's Barnes & Noble. The New York Times, of course, doesn't fully provide their sampling method as they are worried about people trying to game the system, uh, which they do anyway, but less effectively without knowing the full method. So how do you find an independent bookseller? Indiebound.org has a helpful link to input your zip code and find stores near nearby, but keep in mind you don't have to be nearby. Most stores are happy to ship wherever you might be. It might cost slightly more, but instead of the margins being gobbled up by Amazon, they're going to an indie bookstore, performing an invaluable service by providing an outlet for authors who may not have the gigantic distribution deal with, say, a Simon & Schuster. And the other thing worth noting is that by ordering through an indie bookstore, you're putting it in front of the eyes of someone with the power to stock books. If they order a copy for you, they might be ordering more for keeping copies on their shelf since now they know there's local interest, uh, or they're perhaps recommending it to another customer. Who knows? But with Amazon, your order is disappearing into an algorithm. No human eyes are going to see that book and recommend it to somebody else. So it's way more helpful to spread the word about a book, especially for the indie author. And of course, if it's a book baby title, you can also order it from the Book Baby Bookshop. With Bookshop, authors are receiving 50% of the retail price in royalties, an unheard of percentage, and one of the many ways in which Book Baby is helping writers become authors every day. So let's move right along. Today I'm hosting a colleague, Gina Stewart. I've known Gina for nearly four years now and can tell you she's a very talented artist and a great coworker. She's our design team lead here at Book Baby. She's been a professional artist for over 20 years, designing toys and packaging for the toy industry, designing CD covers and packaging for independent musicians, illustrating games, textbooks, and now designing books for Book Baby. Gina, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. So do you judge books by their cover? I absolutely do. Doesn't everybody? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so how important do you think book covers are? Really important. It's your most important sales tool. It's the first impression that people get when they look, when you said, hey, I wrote a book. And, uh, you know, when people are buying books online, you know, they're scrolling through, they're going to see a book cover. And, you know, if it's not a good book cover, they may not click on it to see more. So it could mean the difference between selling your book and not selling your book. Absolutely. And how does book design differ from the other sorts of areas of design you've worked in? 
Um, it's interesting. You know, I've been thinking about it, and it's something that people are more interactive with books. You know, if you design a movie poster, somebody sees the poster, they go, ooh, that movie looks good, and they walk away. But with a book, you know, you spend time with the book, you're reading it for a few hours. So it's, you know, it, the little things are more noticeable for book designs. You have to be a lot more careful and exact. And you've been with Book Baby for a while now. How many books have you designed? I've done almost a thousand books right now. You have anything special ready for the one thousand? Yeah, books? I know. I should do something, right? Maybe a party? Yeah, a little party, a little cake. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so obviously, there's also an entire interior to the book. Uh, can you tell me why interior formatting is important? It's actually the most important part of the book publishing process. Uh, it should be easy to read, no unusual fonts. All the information should be easy to understand. And there should be clear hierarchy. Um, if you don't understand what a hierarchy is, it's um, usually genre-driven. For example, like fiction has chapters and titles and maybe some scene breaks. Um, if you have like a science book or a self-help book, well, actually a science book would have probably parts and then separated into chapters. Mm -hmm. And then it might have sections that has a little more detailed information. And then a self-help book might even have all of those things. But then maybe at the end it has uh, space for worksheets or, you know, some sort of questions that the person's supposed to go and, you know, like homework for the self-help section. Mm -hmm. And uh, But most importantly, all of these sections should look uniform, you know, like font size should be the same size, the style of fonts should be the same, you know, just the treatment so that when the reader reads the book, they have an idea you know, they're not surprised and they're like, wait, where am I? They're, you know, they pretty much know where they are in the book. Um, and there's really nothing worse than a poorly formatted book. It just looks amateurish. And for me, it just makes you say, I don't want to read that. And how should authors prepare their manuscript for formatting? So when we get a manuscript, we expect all the chapters to be in one document um, in the correct order. Um, again, the hierarchy should be clear. You need to put your images and captions in the flow of the document. And what that means is, you know, you don't want your images grouped together as boxes or in a table. They need to be just separately in the text with the rest of the text. Um, you never want to press um, the return key at the end of each sentence. You it's need to wait. Typewriting. Yeah, right? and that's not a typewriter anymore. Right. <laughs> you want to just do it at the end of paragraphs because when we import the Word document into InDesign, all kinds of extra paragraph returns will happen, and it you'll say, "What did you do to my my book?" Right. <laughs> and so Even if you just change the font size and right. end up with breaks that don't make any sense. Yeah, it'd be weird. So you gotta be careful not to do that. You don't want to use any preloaded paragraph or character styles. We, we tend to just go through and take all those out so that when it's ready, it's easy for us to apply new character styles. Because we do the styles, we do the, you know, what fonts we want to use and how we want it to look. You should not really copy from the uh, copy and paste from the internet because sometimes it brings in weird HTML into your uh, Word document. And when we get it into InDesign, it can do weird things like add italics where you didn't want them mm. and things like that. And we don't want that to happen. You should always use basic fonts like Times New Roman or Arial. That just makes it easier for when we import it again. Into right, our you're going to use cooler fonts. Yeah, we'll use cooler fonts, <laughs> but it's just to simplify things right. and make things work as smoothly as possible. And the biggest thing, which most people seem to overlook, is really when we say we want a manuscript that's final, we really want a manuscript that's final. You know, when at the time you get to the interior text formatting, we're not, it's not an editorial service. 
And so if we get to that point and you need to make changes, that's, um, that could cost money. So, you know, we want to try to avoid that. So if you do all these things, hopefully everything will go smoothly. Yeah, it's very embarrassing for authors when the readers purchase their book and find a bunch of problems in the story because they didn't bother to use an editor and expected you to be an editor, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, if you have an issue with somebody having a different hair color being described in different sections of the book. Right. Yeah, it's weird. That kind of stuff happens all the time. Um, I can't tell you how many times they they didn't notice that, oops, they had started out with one character name in the big, you know, first six chapters, and then at one point they decided to change the main character's name to something else. <laughs> and even, you know, even just things as the chapter numbering being wrong. You know, you have chapter one, chapter two, chapter five, chapter five, chapter two, chapter five, <laughs> chapter seven. <laughs> so having someone look at your manuscript is a really good idea. So you have a new project in front of you. What's the first step you take to come up with a plan for that book? Well, what happens is, you know, we take a look at the manuscript, see what's in it. You know, we see if there's footnotes or a table of contents or endnotes, that sort of thing. And then the authors will submit a design guide in which questions are asked like, you know, type of cover that you like. So give us a sample of a cover that you might like and a sample of the content of a book that you might like. So it gives us an idea of what you're... Um, design ideas are or what your tastes might be and then usually they'll give an idea of what they want on the cover you know the theme or whatever so I read that over and then I'll look at um, if they haven't provided photos for the cover I'll search online to see if there's any photos that we have in our stock photography that I can utilize and then I'll also do a search you know just on Amazon to see you know different book covers in whatever genre the book might be in to see, refresh my memory on what's what's out there and what might work and what might not work. And and then I get started. Does that help you stay fresh on the design trends in the books, looking at, at other things that are on Amazon? Oh, definitely. Definitely, yeah. And I like to look at Pinterest because there's always like, you know, they have like, you know, top 100 book covers of all time, you know, and you can look that up and, you know, take what you want from that and not. And then I save, you know, things I might want to try, you know, in the future that could be fun. Makes sense. Uh, so what about choosing a font? Where do you start there? Fonts. Sometimes people will request fonts, but otherwise, generally, I kind of go genre specific. You know, if it's a thriller book, you know, there's certain types of fonts that work good on thrillers and... Um, it also depends on the type of artwork, you know, if it's kind of like a gritty looking cover, I might use a font that's rough in texture, you know, or if it's slick, I'll use something smooth and sleek. So there's a lot of factors that go involved into it. So what's your favorite font? My favorite font is Rift. I use it all the time. It's awesome. <laughs> it's very tall and very thin and has lots of different weights to it. It's very versatile and it works great for um, titles and subtitles and, and that sort of thing. And what are the most important things to include on a book cover? Well, you got to have the title. You got to have the, the author <laughs> name. Um, right? If you don't have the author name, won't go on Amazon, right? Right. Yeah. Right. So that's important. Um, but just, you know, you want to set up the story for the book. There doesn't need to be like a narrative, just kind of like a setup, like just like a hint at what um, the content might be about the book. Uh, and on the back cover? Back cover, you know, you want text on the back cover just to, you know, explain a little further what the book might be, you know, like a short synopsis if it's fiction. Um, 
or, you know, if it's you want reviews of your book or quotes, a special quote or something, but you should never put too much text on the back cover because you don't want to overpower the reader by too much information. And what's the oddest request that you've received for a book cover? Well, you know, you'll get weird ones like, you know, I want, you know, there's a robot and out of his head is this skateboard and in the distance there's an alien jumping out of a plane and on the top of the building next to it, you know, there's like some sort of turtle with eight heads and it's shooting lasers down it. (laughs) So when that happens, we have to tell them, we need to focus on something simpler. One or two elements. One or two (laughs) elements that might, because, you know, especially nowadays, if you're selling your book online, it's going to be a little thumbnail. So you're not going to see all that information in a tiny thumbnail. So Mm. focus is key. What would you say is the most interesting book that you've gotten to work on? I actually did one for Frank Moriarty. It was a book about Jimi Hendrix um, called Modern Listener Guide. And it was cool because it had a lot of history about Jimi Hendrix and about the 60s. And, um, but it also listed like all the, all the albums that he had done and like a bunch of compilations that were put together of his music and explained a lot. And it was a whole lot of fun because, you know, hey, psychedelic. I could do, he was very open to what I could do. So it was very colorful, Mm. very trippy. So that, that was really interesting. And who's the most famous person whose project you've worked on? Yeah, actually, and it's funny because recently people didn't know who J- uh, Paul McCartney was. forget where it was, and people were like, who's Paul McCartney? But you know Paul McCartney, right? <laughs> of course. <laughs> uh, yeah, he has a licensing company for all of the music that he owns the rights to, and it was a project. He owns I Want a Hippopotamus for Christmas. Mm-hmm. So I did an illustration of a hippo on the front. She's wearing a bow, and you flip it over, and you could just see her big hippo butt. And uh, it was reported to me that Paul McCartney laughed, so he, he really liked it. So. You didn't get to talk to him? No, but uh, that's my claim to fame. I made McCartney laugh. So. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, if you could let prospective clients know one thing before purchasing design services, what would that be? Trust your designer. You know, you're... You're paying us to design, and I know you might have ideas about what makes good design, but all of our staff has years of experience, and we know what looks good in a book, know what works, and um, just trust us. We know what can be eye-catching, and, you know, that's what we do. Let us do what we do. What would you say is the most common rejection note that you receive? Most common, at least for covers, is probably when they want a a specific character on the cover. Mm -hmm. Um, we use stock imagery, so, you know, we, we basically can do a general idea of the character. Um, you know, we can't make sure that, you know, the girl has an upturned nose and, you know, whatever, you know, the perfectly perfect color shade of hair, the perfect curly hair. So we tend to do better when we're a little more generic or we don't do characters on the cover. So that can be frustrating because sometimes the author can't let go to what their vision of the character is and that, you know, we'll, we'll never get there. So we have to help them come halfway to see what we can actually accomplish. Do you have the same issue when you work on uh, multiple books in the same series where they want to have the same sort of design elements or, or? Not as much because at least after you do the first cover, you know, when we do a series, we try to, you know, imagine that we can swap out whatever imagery on the cover. You know, we might have, like, a band of color on the spine or whatever to show, like, you know, book five in the series or whatever. And 
the type design might stay the same. So it's a little, little more predictable, a little easier to work with. Kind of have a template to work with to begin yeah. with. Yeah. Uh, and you would say that's important for kind of continuity? For- it's good for a series, yeah, because, you know, when they're on the shelf, you know, and somebody buys them, you know, you want that. They want to know what goes with what. Right. And, uh, Picturing all the Goosebump books with it. Yeah. Their, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Dripping down. Yeah. Or my Sweet Valley High series in right. the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> you knew from far away this right. is the exact book in that series. Yeah. Yeah. So I understand that uh, you're also a well known painter, not only a book designer for Book Baby. What, uh, what are you working on there? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, um, I'm very excited. I have a, my first solo show coming up. I work with um, art galleries. And I paint animals in fantastical settings. I like to explore the idea of, you know, if they were human or what they think about us. You know, do they do they envy us or do they hate us? You know, I don't know. <laughs> so I'm really excited about this project because it gives me the chance to focus on one show. So my body of work, I'm hoping that I see some new things and explore some new ideas and I don't, you know, I'm kind of excited to know where I go with it. So it should be fun. And when's that? That will be October. So I got a long time yet, but I have a lot of paintings to do. I have to do 18 paintings. Oh, wow. With a full-time <laughs> job working here, that's a lot of paintings. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll keep our audience updated on yeah. that date so they can come out and support you. Uh, so as a creator yourself, do you have any tips that might help authors get attention for their projects? Yeah, absolutely. Um I've I've had a lot of um, success with Facebook groups that are targeted to you know what you do, um, you know when you get followers you can post you know news about what whatever you're working on. I've had sales through Facebook groups and Facebook in general, and Instagram has actually been a really good tool. You know you can you can um, advertise pretty cheaply and very easily, and you know people just want to see. What you do, you know, you post and you know a couple times a week, and you know slowly you add people as followers, and you know I've gotten sales through there and commissions through there, and those are my two go-to marketing tools. And what's your Instagram handle? So get some customers over there. Yes, it's at Gina Matarazzo, and that is like the kid in the Stranger Things, the kid Dustin. Yeah, it's the same name, (laughs) but I don't think we're related. And finally, what's your favorite uh, all-time book baby cover? Oh, that would have to be, I did a cover called Samir by Leomi Postma. It was really cool because she gave a general idea of what she wanted for the cover, but it was open for, you know, she trusted me, you know, like I said before, trusting the designer to know what looks good. So it was like a cool, I did like a cool abstract retro like 40s 50s kind of feel so it was just like a general shadow of a man and he was floating in space and he had um like lines to to indicate that he was tied up but floating in space and you didn't know what was going on so that was basically what she wanted and she loved it that cover can be seen and the book bought at store.bookbaby.com slash book slash samir s-a-m-i-r and I think that's a good place to stop. Gina, thank you for joining us. Uh, you're welcome. I think there's a lot of valuable information there for our audience. And if you want to have your book designed by one of our talented designers like Gina, please give us a call, 877-961-6878, or email us, info at bookbaby.com. 
please also subscribe and rate the podcast on whatever fine service you're using to listen to us. And a final thank you to Gina for joining us, Jim Foley as our Director of Operations, and our producer, Brian Lipsky. I'm Sam Saddam, and this has been the Book Baby Spotlight Podcast.